Greetings, Star Wars fans. This is Andrew from Coruscant Radio Underground. You're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. What's up, guys? This is David Triana of the Followers of the Force Podcast, and you are listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. May the Force be with you. Always. Scarif Control, this is TK226. Come in, Scarif Control. Uh, you think what I'm thinking? Yeah, it looks like they're talking Star Wars again. General Veers, prepare your men. How's it going, Star Wars fans? Grab your sunscreen and your blasters. You've tuned into the Scarif Podcast. This is the Scarif Scuttlebutt. Hey, everybody. What is up, Shore Troopers? I'm glad you made it to Scarif. This is Ro, and you've tuned into the Scarif Podcast. The sun is shining, and there's no better post in all the Empire. Welcome to the podcast. First of all, I want to give a heartfelt thank you to our friends at uh, Coruscant Radio Underground Andrew and Marisha at SciFictionary on Twitter. We did that Legacy of Leia Organa uh, mega crossover event. We had a lot of fun, and I hope they did too. So uh, we developed a series of podcasts called The Legacy Of, starting out with The Legacy of Luke Skywalker a while back. Uh, Brad and I talked about our favorite Jedi Knight and uh, went up through to the legacy of Leia Organa and tonight's uh, another special episode, The Legacy of the Force. I think we did it because there's so much speculation we can do about future Star Wars movies and TV shows that uh, I think we can let the other podcasters do that. But we wanted to talk about some fan favorites and we can certainly pull from a rich history of Star Wars through our own legacy series. So uh, I wanted to uh, introduce uh, and uh, in, uh, introduce uh, one of our Star Wars friends, Alex from Imperial Entanglements. In lieu of uh, Brad's absence, Alex is going to help us out uh, here tonight. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing just fine, Ro. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for uh, picking up the mantle and helping us out. Brad is... Uh, uh, working, he's uh, out there busy doing real Jedi stuff, but uh, he's uh, left me in charge. And uh, Alex, thank you very much again for helping out and uh, volunteering to uh, continue with the podcast. Of course, I was happy to help, and I was very flattered that you guys came to me uh, and asked me if I wanted to uh, to join in the team. And uh, I can't wait to work with you guys in the future. I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, this is our first, and it certainly won't be our last collaboration. This is fantastic. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be kind of a, what we call what a, a deep cut. Uh, the Force, uh, the legacy of the Force, is something that uh, uh, we can't. Uh, you know, it's not a very light subject, if I, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we're going to go in deep on this one. We're going to get super nerdy and uh, talk about what the Force means uh, for each individual person, what it means to George Lucas. Uh, I think where it, the the actual like where it came from, the concept itself, and what it means moving forward in the future for the franchise, I, it's gonna get super nerdy for a minute here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, before we get into our main topic, the legacy of the Force, 
which I do admit now it's going to go deep and spiritual. We've got uh, some quick Star Wars news in the form of new comics that came out this week. Uh, you know, Brad and I have been talking about uh, comic books for a while in some of the other episodes, uh, but one of the the, the series, uh, one of the many series that we've kind of uh, kind of latched onto um, and uh, talked about uh, here is the Darth Vader Dark Visions. Are you familiar with that uh, miniseries? I am not caught up with it. I've I've watched a few videos. I think from Star Wars Theory that covers some of the comic book uh, stuff with Vader. And it's all very fascinating. I'm not. Is that part of the same, um, the same storyline as the previous ones, where he was using the Force to, uh, to go back in time and try and get back uh, uh, Padme? No, that that one was written by Charles Soule, and uh, that was a really really great series. Um, the last uh, issue I think was twenty five. That was a really really great uh, story. Uh, this is a new mini-series of uh, five issues, and uh, it's, it's really uh, kind of uh, it's kind of weird, um, but uh, it's really, it's, it's out there. It's a little bit, um, so the last installment uh, of the mini-series came out today, Dark Visions. It's written by Dennis Hopeless and illustrated by uh, Geraldo Borges, and um, there was some contention during this series. Uh, the story seemed, uh, for my taste, it seemed a bit too small and intimate in nature for my taste. Uh, but the artwork was spot on. Uh, for the most part, it was pretty good. There were some kind of, uh, you know, Brad and I talked about it, some questionable stories. The one that really comes to mind was, I think it was the second one or the third one, where one of Vader's nurses um, or, or doctors kind of seemed... I want to say obsessed with Darth Vader and every time Darth Vader had an operation to maybe um, get rid of some burnt skin she would kind of take that burnt skin and 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 store it away for all intensive purposes she was kind of psycho did you uh, yeah did you hear about that yes that was kind of a uh, that was a bit of a blip on the radar for Star Wars fans where we kind of were like what were they thinking um, they had this, I believe it's the same one, where they had this very obsessed uh, young lady with, um, had almost like a, what is it, Stockholm Syndrome or something like that when, yes. when a nurse is, a, or is it, uh, there's something, I think it's called something else though. It's called, uh, oh, it's the name of a, of a woman who falls in love with her patients. Uh, yeah, not sure, but yeah, that's, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a bit of, um, of a weird take. Uh, to introduce that type of character into Star Wars lore and to have uh, Darth Vader interact with her, I do. I did appreciate that they stuck with uh, Vader's dark personality, and uh, he ended up uh, doing away with her at the end of that uh, issue, which I think was probably pretty fitting. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's it's one of those stories that uh, I always thought was kind of like you know, like right away, it's like where where is this leading? Why? Why is this being told? I, I wasn't really sure how it got past the creatives in, in, in terms of of why they were telling this story. Um, and, and, and you said it. It was kind of like out, out of left field. Um, but yeah. most of the stories, I think, from this series, a little bit more smaller in, in scale, um, a little bit more intimate in scope. Not this last one. I haven't read this last one. Yet, but the one previous to this uh, had to do with an X-wing pilot, um, and uh, I guess you know the pilot kind of freezing up when he had the chance to 
to shoot um, Ed Vader's tie during a, a battle. Hmm. But again, it was uh, it was a quick read. Um, as one of our followers, uh, Matt um, Matt Byrne, uh, won the uh, digital code to, to download, and we were talking a little bit about it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of a weird little story, kind of a weird little miniseries. Um, they're not very. Uh, it's very. They are very different between the two series. The uh, Charles Soul series, which you know to me was a little bit more grandiose. Uh, how Vader, you know, came about and and uh, the story. When, you know, as it kind of ended up, the story of him uh, trying to uh, create. You know his his home, his uh, temple, to be able to kind of either you know what is it go back in time or or go through the portal to try to save Padme, and uh, it was a fascinating ending to a fascinating series. Dark Visions is a little different. Yeah, it seems that way. I I really appreciated the um, the elements of the Force that they brought into those last issues that you were talking about with I believe it was Darth Momin uh, who had the he was yeah he was taking over somebody else's body through the use of a mask. Which they brought that uh, into the canon with masks, Sith masks having some kind of a, a power over the people that they that use them, which kind of ties in with the sequel trilogy with uh, Kylo's obsession with his mask and Darth Vader's melted helmet. So I like that they were kind of bringing that all in together as part of the main canon, which uh, gives us super nerds a little bit of extra knowledge about the situation when we're watching the movies. Yeah, that is interesting, and I did, uh, you know, when I did finally read those episodes, I, I kind of thought, first of all, I heard the rumor that possibly, you know, Anakin Skywalker's uh, essence was imbued in, in the mask, and uh, I initially, I, I don't think I was too receptive uh, of that notion. Uh, when I read the Charles Soule Darth Vader book, you know, obviously they were pulling a little bit from that concept, that idea. For me, it kind of softened the blow, I guess, reading that story. Um, I think I'm a little bit more accepting of that concept now uh, after reading that. So going forward, it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, how that kind of plays into Episode Nine, And uh, we'll see what happens now that, you know, I mean, the trailer dropped during Star Wars Celebration and we know, uh, well... We can speculate that they're going back to try and find something that belonged to the Emperor or, or something. So uh, it, it'll be kind of uh, interesting to find out what they're going after. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it'll be – that's one of the, the more entertaining aspects of these new uh, stories that they're being told by Lucasfilm. Uh, even though they, they've had some issues in the past with fans and, and making stories that aren't quite up to par, but I think this element – of uh, this force essence that's been around since the EU, I believe, with uh, Palpatine being able to do this very similar things. Uh, it it kind of it's bringing it into the future, into the new canon, and I kind of appreciate that. I enjoy that element of it, and um, it brings up a lot of cool questions that we, as fans, can ask ourselves. We want to know, like uh, for instance, the Darth Vader mask that Kylo uh, tries to speak to, or is is giving, been given visions through. Um, so it begs the question, like when in episode six, when Darth Vader killed the Emperor, is he still Darth Vader or is he Anakin Skywalker? And what is left of his Sith legacy as Darth Vader? Is it still in his armor or is is that been laid to rest and now all that's left is Anakin? It kind of brings up a little bit of a question of what's what's actually happening with the dark side of the force with Anakin. 
Very interesting. Uh, I never thought of it that way. Uh, obviously, watching Return of the Jedi, none of this additional material existed back then, so I didn't have any uh, clue or, or idea that this might be something that the story arc would kind of progress into. But now, you know, seeing that, it is a very interesting observation. Um, and obviously, you know, Luke, at the end of Return of the Jedi, he burns uh, his father's uh, you know, we assume that his body is still in the armor. So it is going to be a fascinating concept going forward. Uh, I just wish that, you know, if they are introducing that, obviously they introduced it in the comic books with uh, those types of uh, canon stories. I just wish that they played around with that concept a little more in the films um, besides, uh, you know, going to Canto Bite. It's a very cool aspect of Star Wars that you're absolutely right. It should have been more obvious in in the movies. Um, JJ, I believe, did have some concept art of a half-and-half half spirit of both Darth Vader and Anakin uh, that was communicating with Kylo Ren or Ben Solo. And we know that that's the direction that they may have been thinking. I think maybe they pulled it back a little bit to maybe make it more accessible to the general audience as opposed to people like us who are steeped in the lore. It might not be as easy for people to understand who are just general fans. Do you think that's what they're trying to do or they're, they're trying to balance between appealing to everybody and appealing to diehard fans like us? Well, that's an interesting question because, you know, there is a fine line and when you're making a movie that appeals or should appeal to the masses because that's you know, in the long run, that's how they make their, their money. Where do you draw the line? Where do you uh, choose what to pick from canon where, you know, diehards are going to really appreciate it? You know, very much like they did when, uh, at the end of Solo, when Darth Maul popped up and most of the people that saw the movie that are not uh, diehard fans were totally confused. I mean, I think they, uh, they risked... Um, they risked that move, but I think it paid off because I think diehard fans really, uh, from what I see on, on the internet, really want to see a solo two to kind of flesh that out a little more and see, obviously, you know, nerds like us, we know exactly what happened, uh, after episode one to Darth Maul folks that have seen, you know, additional episodes of, uh, you know, Clone Wars, the Rebels, uh, series and, and everything in between. We know what happens. It's just the journey of, of how it happens and how it's told. I think, uh, like I said, I think they risked um, alienating a, a lot of people because I did hear people say, I thought he was dead. What's going on? Do I have to watch a cartoon to figure out what's going on? So if they don't do a, a solo two, I think that opportunity might get lost. <laughs> And you and I will then decide what to do about the traitor Beckett and his accomplices. I'm really hoping that they do a solo too because I really want to see how that plays out in the films. What about you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would love to see a solo too. I know that Solo, um, a Star Wars story, had some problems in production. 
um, with Lord and Miller being fired halfway through production. I think uh, Ron Howard had to reshoot about 60% of that movie. I go really easy on Solo because I know that it had a troubled production, so I'm, I'm not... I know it's been kind of bashed by some fans as being kind of a pointless, dumb movie, and, and you know, they have their right to say that. I found it, for the most part, enjoyable. I think that had some, definitely had some potential, and I think moving forward with legacy characters like Darth Maul and bringing back um, uh, Ray Parks as Darth Maul was, was a huge fan service moment uh, that I think worked out for multiple reasons, but I, I think he's just a really cool character. And people who... Um, might not know what's happened to him for, between episode one and uh, Solo. You know, this is a good opportunity for them to to ask questions and then for either fans like us to explain to them what happened or possibly for them to go back and look into the story themselves and get more immersed and become bigger and bigger fans. Of course, that's not going to be everybody, but I mean, I think there can be a good potential for new fans to, to dive into some of the old material. And uh, I, I'm really fascinated and I really want to see what Ron Howard can do from start to finish with, a, with his own movie and his own production uh, with a story about the Crimson Dawn and Darth, Darth Maul being um, a leader of this, of this uh, underground criminal organization. And of course, you can't go wrong with Amelia Clark. Uh, she's a great actress. She's a really awesome, uh, friendly person, I think to bring her into the Star Wars fandom and to have her at events like Celebration I think would add a lot to uh, to the enjoyment of those those celebrations and stuff. So I'm all for a Solo 2 despite some of the failings of the first movie. I think there's a huge potential in the future. I totally agree. You don't have to sell me, brother. <laughs> I am uh, in the Solo 2 camp. Uh, it's my second favorite Disney Star Wars film uh, just behind Rogue One. And uh, I'm ready for more Solo. Kira, you and I will be working much more closely from now on. Yeah, getting back to your question. Sorry, I think I went off on a tangent. But uh, yeah, it's like I said, I think it's a very interesting fine line to be able to bring a concept such as as that like uh, you know Lord Moman's mask and and Darth Vader uh Darth Vader's essence uh being in in his mask I you know I do admit it probably can't will would lose some fans or not fans but just casual Star Wars goers because uh it is kind of a a, a deep concept if it is something that they're going for you know it's one of those things where I think they should just commit and just go all the way and uh, I think it'll just make for a better, uh, better, better narrative. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I don't think Star Wars should shy away from from what it is, and it's at you know at, the, at its nerdiest. You don't see things like Lord of the Rings shying away from its massively complicated backstory and lore. They kind of just put it all out there, and I think they're better for it. And I think Star Wars should probably lean in that direction. And um, I, I hope they do uh, at least once. Episode nine is over with. Maybe with uh, some of the new content coming out on Disney Plus, um, we can probably dive into some deeper, uh, deeper concepts for the Force and and for the lore. But I did want to mention that there was there is rumors for Episode nine to include um, I think what is being called the Acolytes of the Beyond or Acolytes of the Force. Um, it's these Force 
dark side force worshippers who are obsessed with uh, certain items that belong to Darth Vader. Like I, I believe in one of the aftermath books, they were searching for his lightsaber. Um, I think it's rumored, or not rumored, but it's uh, hinted that these same people are the ones responsible for finding and giving Kylo Ren uh, Darth Vader's mask. So I think there is an element there that's under the surface that I hope, I really, really hope that J.J. brings to the surface in Episode Nine. I did hear that rumor. Um, and now here's, here's one thing. I've always uh, suspected that the Knights of Ren were um, old Empire relic hunters. And, um, you know, going back to the idea that somebody gave Kylo Ren Darth Vader's helmet kind of goes along with that uh, with that concept. I think it would be really great. Uh, I agree. I think one of the books, um, Bloodline, kind of deals with, with uh, people looking for old Imperial artifacts. Uh, there was uh, Senator Casterfo, who, uh, if I'm saying the name correctly... He's uh, he was a uh, an empire collector. He wasn't an acolyte uh, of the Beyond. I think they, that uh, persona or those characters are a little bit more deeply entrenched in the mythology. This guy was just a senator who liked you know stormtrooper masks. But uh, yeah, I do think that that would be uh, such an amazing way to bring Star Wars forward because if you think about it, you know these these characters can go outside of the known galaxy to other parts to try to either, you know, look. It's almost like they, they can be Star Wars' own Indiana Jones mm. um, looking for artifacts of the Empire, uh, relics that might, uh, I don't know, whatever it is that uh, that the MacGuffin allows them to do. That's a really great concept, and uh, I, I would hope that uh, during this Disney Plus era that we have uh, coming up upon us next year that they would might dive into that. I think if you if you look back at some of the these relic hunters or like this Indiana Jones like you said of of these dark side force uh, elements or whatever that you want to call them and that element that that storytelling element is actually um, in Battlefront 2 I believe uh, with the Luke Skywalker uh, storyline if you play that in the video game he goes and he finds kind of like a safe this uh, this facility that the Empire the Emperor had with all these different relics in it and I believe if you want to get super nerdy about it um, in episode 8 Luke Skywalker actually had a couple of those relics in his hut in that movie. Now, of course, it was never brought up, but there was a panning shot of his desk or his shelf or whatever, and there was a compass there, and there's uh, a, like a, a kyber crystal necklace that he had that I believe was rumored to be Darth Vader's uh, kyber crystal from his lightsaber. So there's a, a lot of cool elements that can be used um, if Disney decides to do so, um, and I think they should. I think that would be really great for, for hardcore fans to dive into the lore and dive into that 30-year gap between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. You know, b- besides uh, Luke uh, getting uh, finding that bunker, um, there was also, you know, things like Operation Cinder with uh, Palpatine's uh, Plan B, so to speak. And uh, it was really kind of a thrust forward in Star Wars storytelling. Um, I think it was great. And I think if they did more of that sort of thing, um, I think fans would be really happy at uh, what direction Star Wars would go into the future. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be really cool. I'm looking forward to it. I really hope that they dive into this and they don't shy away from that. And speaking of the Force, our friends Andrew and Marisha are talking about the Force and recorded a little clip for us to listen to their take on the legacy of the Force. The legacy of the Force, that's an interesting one. Yeah, it's a good one. You know, the Force, I I think that overall it's been consistent through the films and that what we've gotten has been a continued building of what we know, a theology of the force kind of and i mean that's how theology even you know real theology made up theology tends to work it tends to be something that kind of builds over time right so you know we we've learned more i mean obviously in the originals we didn't learn a whole lot about the force we know what obi-wan told us about the living force binds us and connects us and it's the thing that that binds all living things and that's that's really and we we see luke learn to manipulate it we learn that there's a light and a dark but we don't necessarily learn a lot about what those things mean i mean we learn from yoda the things that lead to the dark right but then we went to the prequels and i think we feel a little bit differently about this but george lucas decided to introduce the midichlorians a way of right offering scientific explanation to what was otherwise in the originals this completely mystical element right he made it more elemental right so the midichlorians have never been my favorite thing i don't get up in arms over them but i thought in some ways it detracts from the mystical nature of the force i don't know i kind of like the idea of spiritual concepts being scientifically quantifiable I mean, even, you know, real world things like prayer or meditation, you know, now they can in some ways sort of quantify those scientifically and you you can see things that it does to, you know, your brain, the way the way you think and all of that. So I kind of feel like it makes it a little more real, maybe. Right. I think for me, it was this idea that it was something that the midichlorians kind of took away from not just the mystical nature but it was no longer the the user who was granted this access to this mystical power it was just this symbiotic relationship of the midichlorians in the cells and how many you had now over time i have slightly shifted my view of that to the midichlorians are not the it was almost is is the, are the midichlorians the force user or is the human or the the alien or, mm-hmm. or whatever the physical being is the force user where i've shifted more to the midichlorians are simply the conduit right the more midichlorians you have the the larger the potential conduit to channel your connection to the force so you just have more potential right. to connect with the force basically right so once i started to shift away from worrying about what they were and realizing that they're a conduit for the user to access the force Mm -hmm. then i I was a lot less it it bothers me less it never bothered me that much it's not something i think about a lot but the prequels offered depth to the force Mm -hmm. we learned about the lore we didn't get lore in right the originals we learned about you know from from qui-gon we learned about the prophecy and then we we learn you know more and more about the the way the force works 
right. we see how one can just accidentally it doesn't you don't have to be evil to fall to the dark it's just this idea that by simply misusing your connection to the force that you right. can fall to the dark right you know that's the whole the the statement that Anakin makes to Padme about Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan. would be very grumpy yes. if he saw me making this pair float. <laughs> right, because it's this idea of using the Force for mundane things. We right. began to understand in the prequels that in, in the in the originals it was this simple contrast of light and dark. Right. And then we moved more into this element of the Force is this living thing. The, the, you know, the, the idea of the cosmic force and the right. idea that it has its own will, will that we still don't know, but a will that potentially created Anakin Skywalker. Right. So when you start to look at the force as an entity, as having its will, and and then the idea that the Jedi operate with the force in unison with the force. Right. And the 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 Sith or other dark users of the force are the people that try to bend the force they try to their, exploit it. Right. They bend the force to their own will. Mm-hmm. And in a very simple way, using the force to make that pair float, is Anakin bending the force to do things that... It's not meant to do. They're inconsequential. They're, mm-hmm. they're not important. And so acting outside of using or of, of operating in unison with the force. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the real call of the Jedi. And, of course, then we leave the prequels and we get to move into the best lore in all of Star Wars with the Clone Wars. And then later mm-hmm. in Rebels, where George Lucas and Dave Filoni really got a chance to flesh out the creation right. of the Force and go deep into the lore. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the sequel trilogy. And by and large, we kind of went back to where we were in the originals mm-hmm. we've kind of come full circle to where we're not getting lore and we're not getting anything new about the force right we're not getting any new information no new doctrine right <laughs> so but i don't know that that's a bad thing when you leave the originals if you put it all in order and realize that luke has a limited amount to pass down and luke has disappeared during the time of the sequel trilogy so luke's not passing this Jedi lore down to this next generation. Right. So the fact that we've gone back to square one where we have this simple idea of the force. It makes sense. Then it makes sense that we're not getting a lot of lore of the force. Mm -hmm. But I think that's going to change with the rise of Skywalker. I think so. Where I think we're going to take one last deep dive into force lore. Well, into not, not a last jump into the, into the lore of the force, but of the prophecy itself mm-hmm. because the Skywalker saga at least I believe and I hope that this is the way that Nine wraps up is that the Skywalker saga is about the prophecy well I think it needs to be I think about it talking you know people talking about it or Obi-Wan's line that it it's you know in all living things it binds the galaxy together and I kind of feel like in a lot of ways it sort of translates into um, kind of in, in our world how people sort of relate to to Star Wars. It's, you know, they have strong feelings about the Force, just like you see in the Star Wars universe. You see people, you know, have 
lots of different attitudes. Some people think you just need to kind of go with it. Some people think you need to like control it. It needs to control you. There are lots of different opinions on it. But I think it's the thing that really does, it kind of binds the whole uh, the whole mythology and the whole universe, the whole literary universe together. So I think it's kind of interesting how it ties over that way. Thanks, guys. And may the Force be with you. The Force? The Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, it penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. So, Alex, you posted that clip a while ago about uh, how the Force is explained to us. Uh, back in the original trilogy, the legacy of the Force. The Force back then seemed like it was very uh, ethereal, uh, kind of a type of uh, energy field, as Obi-Wan explains to Luke. Um, when uh, or what did you think of the Force growing up as you first experienced it uh, in that explanation? Um, okay, so this, is, this might be a long answer, um, but I very much subscribe to the original trilogy uh, explanation of the Force with Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Yoda, and Darth Vader all basically having the same concept of the Force being this this ever-present um, entity that binds us and is created by life and can be used as a tool for those who are uh, in, uh, in tune with it. And um, there was a very spiritual element to it. I believe George Lucas with the original concept, if you listen to some old um, interviews with him, he spoke of the Force as as kind of this concept of um, almost like a god figure for, for the Star Wars universe, where it's an elemental force that kind of binds everybody together. And uh, when thinking about the Force and what it is and how who can use it, um, I always revert back to the original trilogy because I think that is the purest form of the explanation I really appreciated that it was more of a spiritual element. And I know in the prequels, they, they tried to explain it a little bit more scientific, scientifically. And, uh, and that's fine. It was kind of a new take or maybe a, a, a bigger explanation of it. But for me personally, I always revert back to the original trilogy um, explanation. I think that's the easiest one for people to grasp. And I think, honestly, it's probably the most um, attainable for for people when they're thinking about this and and it does it it makes it very simple it's not overly complicated yeah no that's interesting so one of our friends uh fan dads said that uh, the way he saw it the force you know we're talking about how it changed from the original trilogy you mentioned how uh the sequel or not the the prequel trilogy i gotta get my uh my tenses correctly here so the prequel trilogy kind of did explain a little bit of uh, how the force is explained through scientific eyes but um, so our friends uh, uh, fan dads said that uh, the way he saw it that the force didn't so much change through the trilogies but only more facts were revealed about how the force works and we're just going along kind of for the ride and finding out more about it uh, so what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, he, he says that it didn't change. It's just, you know, we're being offered more information. What, what do you think about that? Uh, I can totally see what they're, where they're going with that, that line of thought. And uh, I, can, I can agree with it for the most part. I think for me, like I said before, it makes it a little bit too complicated in my opinion. But if, if that's the direction that George wanted to go and was always planning on going, then he is the creator. Who am I to say otherwise? 
um, he wanted to include the more scientific way of, of uh, I think, the wills and the metachlorians working together to uh, create the force, which ultimately uh, controls the destiny of some of their heroes from uh, the movies like Luke Skywalker and even Anakin. They all had a destiny to play, and the force had a big part in maneuvering um, their lives to fulfill that destiny. So if, you know, along, again, along the lines of that God figure and like the, the wills and all that kind of manipulating um, the, the human players in the movies to fulfill destinies and to fulfill their goals as part of the will of the force, um, it, it can make sense and it's, it's, you can go deeper into it. And uh, I, I think it's totally acceptable that if that's how people want to think, by all means, go for it. I, I just, for me personally, the simpler the better is all I'm uh, that's that's just the way I think about it sure sure so yeah I mean the force is a very tricky thing like you said most people equate it to a religion or a god being or an essence of some sort um, and uh, yeah I mean that's how it was introduced to us uh, back in 77 when we were just kids So we've gotten a lot of support from a lot of other podcasters as well, and we want to thank all of you guys that have listened and contributed. And we've got a special The Legacy of the Force clip from David Triana over at The Followers of the Force. Let's see what he has to say. Hey guys, this is David Triana of The Followers of the Force podcast. So... We're talking about the Force today on the Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast. I'm really grateful for the guys uh, asking us to share our thoughts about the Force and what it means to us. You know, it's a question that I think a lot of us have thought about, um, and maybe a lot of us still don't have an answer. But I think to me, and I'm recording this as I sit in my car after a late shift, because I think it just hit me. I think the force to me it's that x factor. It's that it's that thing that just keeps you going. It it's the thing that you reach down deep inside yourself and it's that you know that one one last punch or one more punch the the one thing that just keeps you going. And we see it in the films time and time again. Luke hanging upside down in Empire trying to reach for that saber. Um, you know, Qui-Gon kneeling before his final uh, face-off with Darth Maul. Obi-Wan before he becomes one with the Force. You know, it's just, it's the thing you turn to, whether it be at your most desperate hour or your most triumphant moment. Um, it's, like I said, it's that it's that X factor. It's It's the thing that just makes you believe that you've still got something left and I think we all have that I think that we all call upon that force each and every day to keep us going whatever issues we may have going on in our lives that same force is within all of us so I think that's what it means to me just keep going no matter what's in front of you no matter how hard it may be, just trust in the Force. Hope you guys are enjoying our show, and I hope you guys are enjoying the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Make sure 
to leave them a rating and review. And if you've got time, come on over to our show and show us some love too. May the force be with you guys. We'll see you soon. I think for a lot of people, uh, when the um, prequel trilogy, uh, you know, mentioned the midichlorians, it kind of broke that mysticism, that magic uh, side of the Force, the explanation. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting how different people take different things. What did you think uh, initially about midichlor? You know, you talked about the midichlorians. You talked about the wills. Um, and now that George Lucas is out of the picture uh, for Star Wars and Disney, you know, there there was uh, a few stories released a couple months back where, you know, I guess people are starting to discuss what episodes 7, 8, and 9 would have been if George were still uh, in control. And we talked, you know, they the, those stories talked about how, um, you know, the stories might kind of dive into the microscopic world of uh, the midichlorians and the wills. We saw a little bit of that during the Clone Wars Lost episode when Yoda was trying to learn um, a little bit more about the Force. Yoda, my old friend, you have come at last. Cry, Gunji. Really you? It is? It is. Losing my mind, I am not. No, my friend, no. Why have you brought me here? Follow the light. The light will be your guide. I really enjoyed um, the Clone Wars for the most part. Um, after, especially after season three, I think it got a, and it became a really, really good show. And uh, some of the elements that they dive into, and with I think it's specifically Dave Filoni kind of taking those concepts from George and fleshing them out a little bit more uh, in the in the cartoon. Such darkness. Such evil. When will this happen? It is happening right now. It has always been happening. With each day the Clone War wages, evil is growing in its power. What you felt in the cave was merely a portion of what the dark side now holds. The Yoda episode, I believe that was season six. It was like a five-episode season uh, with Yoda diving into that. I thought that was really fascinating. I can't claim that I really understood a lot of it. Um, yeah. I would have to go back. I would have to go back and rewatch it, and maybe watch a couple uh, videos um, that kind of explain it, break it down a little bit. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I did enjoy that. I enjoyed the diving into the Force and. Um, one of the episodes, again, that I'd, I'd have to really go back and try and dissect it, but it was the episode where Anakin and Obi-Wan ended up on that planet with uh, the father, the sister, and the brother, who are all elements of the Force, I believe. Right. Um, that, w- that was a really deep episode that kind of explored a lot of what the Force is. I will not look. I appreciated what they were doing with that uh, in the story. I thought it was really cool, and I wouldn't mind seeing more of that uh, in in some future uh, cartoons or, or comic books or something like that. Diving into those those deeper realms of the Force. As far as the sequel trilogy goes, 
I feel like they're shying away from that aspect quite a bit. Again, I believe personally, I believe it's to reach a broader audience. Um, they're they're reverting back to uh, the simplicity of the force, just being this this uh, element that people can tap into uh, for good or for bad. Well, that's interesting. So uh, it's seems like you're saying that the force can be utilized for whatever purpose. And uh, this is a great segue. We've got uh, a clip from the guys across the pond in the UK, um, our friends at Star Wars Sessions, that uh, talk about how they feel about the Force. And they talk a little bit about that, how, uh, you know, that the Force is just a tool, and depending on who uses the tool is uh, is how its, uh, its use is determined, dark side, light side, that sort of thing. Let's uh, take a listen and uh, see what they had to say. We'll uh, we'll catch you on the back end and we'll talk about it. Hey guys, it's Matt here from Star Wars Sessions, beaming live from the UK all across that hollow net. Um, so what does Force mean to me? Uh, firstly, it's to me anyway, it's the height of Zen. It's that spiritual nirvana that only the heightened few can truly reach, you know? The power of uh, knowing oneself so purely that you become one with time, space, nature, and existence. Uh, this is probably the deepest I've ever gone into anything, so I hope everybody appreciates this. Also, I reckon, I think it's inherently good as well. The Force itself has good vibes, if you will. So often we hear of the Force striking back against the darkness and setting things in motion for balance. Uh, and whilst balance may not be 100% light, it's still preventing total darkness. So I believe it's a vehicle for good. But of course, like anything... It can be nip- manipulated in the wrong hands and used for more nefarious reasons. But the key there, I think, is manipulated. Palps and all the dark side users, they choose to use the force that way. Whereas I believe the force itself re- reacts against it to prevent the darkness. Um, and also it's just bloody cool, isn't it? So um, that's what I think. Also, I think it's, imp- it's impossible to rationalise and explain it. For something that was created in the mind of the maker, George Lucas... The spiritual aspects and undertones that surround it really are quite powerful, I think. Um, but anyway, guys, keep up the great work, lads, and I look forward to hearing more of the good stuff. So, as with anything, uh, they say good side, dark side. It's who uses the force that determines what side you're on. If uh, if this is the case, uh, Alex, I want to ask you, uh, can there be balance? What about the balance of the Force as it pertains to the prophecy? At this point, what was Anakin destined to do in this case? What is it that you want from me? To learn the truth about who you really are. One that maybe you have known all along. One you must believe in order to fulfill your destiny. That's a very interesting question. I've been I've been thinking a lot about it in preparation for this podcast, and um, I I found a again I found an old interview with George Lucas where somebody had asked him that very question, like what is what is the force? What is the essence of it? Is it good? Is it inherently good? Inherently bad? Or is it up to the user? For what George Lucas was talking about, he said basically what it boils down to is you're either a selfish person or you're a selfless person. The Jedi strive to be selfless. They only care about others, which creates 
kind of like you're not you're not so worried about yourself you're not worried uh, or or afraid of anything of losing power um, you're constantly worried about helping other people which brings you an ultimate joy and versus what the Sith do is they are constantly striving for power and in doing so they inherently become afraid of losing that power which we talk which we hear about in the prequel trilogy with the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise and uh, with Palpatine as well they become so engrossed with gaining unlimited power that in doing so they end up becoming fearful of losing it and that drives them deeper and deeper and into a dark place into the dark side of the force as opposed to the way of the Jedi the ultimate Jedi I believe the ultimate Jedi is one that is at peace with the force and doesn't try to manipulate it in any way but in in other words works with it so i think qui-gon jinn is very much um a good example of what a jedi should be and um i'd hate to defend the last jedi on this podcast but there is an element of truth to what luke says where the jedi have fallen from their greater purpose uh during episodes one two and three where they they fell into their own way of thinking as opposed to working with the force um of course they were being manipulated by palpatine but they also allowed themselves to fall away from the purer path and i think that's where the imbalance comes from a dark side user is is an imbalance of the force they're using it for their own gain a light side user even a jedi can fall too far in the other direction where they they are striving so hard to do what they think is good and they end up going too far in that direction too where they ignore what the Force is trying to tell them to do. And I, I believe that's kind of the basis of what George Lucas was trying to, to show people with dark versus light. Yeah, that's a very good, uh, very good observation. And uh, I, won't, uh, I won't give you any demerits for uh, mentioning The Last Jedi, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that's great. Um, you know talking about how people use the force you know if if you were a watcher of uh, the rebels tv show there was a point where uh you know ezra really sometimes you you can tell that ezra really wanted to kind of tap into the dark side there uh, have been times that uh he kind of used a little you know dark side um force uh, one case in particular, I can't remember the episode, but they were trying to fight uh, these uh, ATST walkers, and uh, Ezra kind of took control of one of the troopers to fire on uh, a second walker, and basically uh, took control of the driver, and um, basically had him drive off a cliff to uh, to kill himself and his uh, partner. Wow! So that was very dark side. Yeah, that was very dark side of him. Uh, characters around him noticed uh, that uh, you know maybe he shouldn't take that path. You know, it's it's that temptation. It's that uh, you know getting back to getting back to religion. You know, there's uh, always been uh, someone there to tempt you to to act in a way that uh, you shouldn't. And uh, you know, getting back to Star Wars. I mean, it's it's all about choices and how you use these tools, as uh, Star Wars session says. But uh, it's uh, it's very interesting, and a lot of people that are not really into sci-fi or think that uh, Star Wars is all about you know laser swords and spaceships, I think uh, a lot of these deep concepts really um, go over their heads, uh, not in a bad way, but just you know obviously 
they they see the spectacle of the spaceships and laser swords a little more than than giving it a chance to kind of uh, simmer in in some of the real deep messages that uh, films like Star Wars kind of uh, shows uh, uh, people in general. Um, but I think yeah. you know George Lucas, uh, you know Andrew from uh, Coruscant Radio said, uh, you know he's. Uh, He's a world builder. He's a great, very unique storyteller. And uh, I know George Lucas has uh, had interest in, you know, anthropology and human studies, uh, you know, legacy and story. And I think it uh, definitely shows, especially with, uh, you know, guys like us kind of taking apart, uh, picking apart some of the story elements and, and everybody kind of diving into what you know what star wars really means to them yeah absolutely and again like you were mentioning about george lucas uh being interested in the human uh psyche and how everybody kind of works as a as humanity works as a team to they we all have common threads no matter what culture you're in no matter what religion you are this is all george lucas's thoughts um there's always going to be a common thread of good versus evil and that i believe is why star wars is so popular with so many diverse people is because it, it feeds off of those common threads that we all have about good versus evil, selfishness versus selflessness. And George was really interested in tapping into that element of humanity. And I think he succeeded. And I hope that in the future that the people who are writing these stories keep that element in mind because that at its core, that's what Star Wars is. It's a human story that everybody can connect to. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think uh, once we uh, have this final chapter in the Star Wars slash Skywalker saga, uh, we'll have a better picture of uh, how this uh, sequel trilogy plays out. I'm really hoping that J.J. kind of uh, reintroduces some of the story elements and hopefully, like you said, goes back uh, to some of George Lucas's original ideas. Uh, for this uh, final installment, a lot of people were saying that uh, you know George Lucas is, has been involved in, in kind of uh, helping JJ kind of uh, guide him in, in telling the story. I don't know how true that is. You know, if there's a little George Lucas in this uh, film, I, I, I'd be happy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think JJ approached George uh, for episode seven as well. And I think JJ has a better connection with uh, with George as a filmmaker. Uh, than Ryan Johnson did. Um, this is all speculation. This is just what I've kind of gathered from being a fan and, and paying attention to what's going on online. Um, George has had a much bigger presence after The Last Jedi than he did before. So if you remember an early interview with him around the time Episode Seven came out, he described his relationship with Lucasfilm as a bad divorce. It was actually pretty grim. He, he, didn't, he felt disconnected from his franchise. He felt like he wasn't involved. Whereas if you look uh, post The Last Jedi, you see him hanging out on set with Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni yeah. with The Mandalorian. Right. Uh, you hear rumors about J.J. bringing him on to help him with story elements for Episode Nine. I, I, I don't want to you know get my hopes up too much, but I do believe that George has been instrumental more now than he was probably earlier on when Disney took over. I, I too... You know, see the pictures of him hanging out with Dave Filoni uh, on the set of Mandalorian uh, with Ron Howard during the filming of Solo. I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, 
I'm not one of those. I tell Brad this all the time. I'm not one of those uh, boycott guys. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to be in line on midnight Thursday night for the episode nine uh, with my buddies. But uh, I'm really crossing my fingers that this uh, this series goes out with a bang. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not really. I, I will admit that I did purposefully not see Solo in theaters because of. Uh, what happened with the Last Jedi, and then afterwards the treatment of the fans on online. Ron Ho- Ron Howard was right then. It was you. Yeah, it was all me. It was the <laughs> one guy who didn't go. <laughs> no, but I, I I did. I was like I was irritated with with the situation that was going on, and uh, for that because it was so soon afterwards, and because of some of the things that were happening, I was like, you know what, I'll skip this one um, just to show them. A little bit of displeasure, the best way possible. I'm I'm not really for one to go on and uh, and you know tag Ryan Johnson in every other post and say how horrible he is. It's, I don't believe that that's going to help. So I kind of voted with my wallet, I guess you would say, with sure. with the first solo. Yeah. And uh and and you know once that was done and over with, I I moved on and I I watched Solo on uh, I believe when it came out on Netflix, I watched it. And uh, I enjoyed it, and I I hope that Ron Howard continues that story like we were talking about before. And going forward into episode nine, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic, I guess. I'm not prepared 100% to uh, to dive in because of the issues with The Last Jedi and what they did with the story and Luke Skywalker and stuff like that. So, But I, I'm sure it'll be a reasonably good movie, even if it doesn't meet my personal expectations. I do believe it'll be a decent film. And I hope that it lives up to the legacy of Star Wars itself. And I hope it's four hours long. We've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now. But this is your fight. There's a there's a lot going on in the Star Wars fandom, and, and I was hoping to become a positive voice... Uh, in that sphere even though I have my reservations about the franchise at the moment I still believe that a positive voice can be uh, what's that old saying you attract more flies with honey than you do with with vinegar so uh, you gotta we gotta each do our own thing Uh, everybody has the right to to react the way they want to react but me personally I'm ready to go I want to see what they have to give us and I'm hoping uh, that JJ follows through. A couple minutes ago, you had mentioned um, the uh, Mortis arc, the uh, father, the son, the daughter, and uh, uh, you know, I was agreeing with you that those uh, those stories from that was from Clone Wars, right? The those stories from Clone Wars, the Mortis arc, uh, were definitely some very very uh, deep rooted concepts, even for a cartoon, for a kids' cartoon. After this uh, podcast, I'm probably going to go on YouTube and kind of uh, look for some videos that explain that. But uh, uh, there, you know, obviously that story kind of continued with uh, Rebels when uh, the, you know, the I think it was, the, was it the last episode uh, that kind of dealt with that and uh, how uh, the uh, Rebels crew found the portals and, and Ahsoka was in there. I mean, all that stuff is very fascinating and deep stuff, uh, like I said, for a kid's show. Do you think that those elements might come into play in the films? And 
some people might have said that uh, that you saw a little bit of that during uh, episode eight when Ray looked at the mirror and he saw she saw all the images of herself and and things like that, all the the force visions. What do you think of all that stuff? Um, to be honest with you, for the for the theatrical movies, the uh, episodic films, I don't think they're going to dive too deeply into those subjects. I think they might touch on them where there might be some Easter eggs and references that hardcore fans will recognize and appreciate. But again, I think for these big movies, I think they're going to be more accessible to the general audience than they would be for hardcore fans. Um, But I would like to point out a couple of those references, um, especially pertaining to Darth Vader and and, uh, Vader's castle that we see on Mustafar and Rogue One, uh, Snoke in in the last Jedi is this is a super deep cut that I I found out about through Star Wars theories uh, videos where Snoke actually has a ring on his finger in the last Jedi and one of the art books that was released for the movie um, showed that that ring was actually a black kyber crystal with etchings around it that were um, somehow related to that portal and also Darth Vader's castle and that whole uh, story concept that we see become into fruition uh, in the comics that we're talking about. Right, I did hear that. And it all and it and it ties in with rebels with the portals and uh, you know the Force being this being able to manipulate the Force into looking back in time and having visions of the future and of the past and interacting with different people. Um, that was all present in those cartoons like you were talking about, but they're only very rarely and very obscurely mentioned in the actual films, and I think we're probably going to see more of that continuing forward. I, I, I don't think J.J. is going to be uh, focusing on that specific of a story element when he has a broader story to tell about uh, the Skywalkers and, and Palpatine and bringing all three trilogies together at this final moment. I think he's got his mind wrapped up in that story element as opposed to these minute details uh, that us hardcore fans dive into. Well, that's interesting because, you know, even in, uh, was it uh, The Empire Strikes Back, uh, when uh, Yoda is talking to Luke about the Force, he says, uh, Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us. And binds us. Luminous beings, though we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Yes, even between the land and the ship. Through the force, things you will see, other places, the future, the past, all friends long gone. It almost seems like he he knows that uh, there are portals throughout the galaxy that gives you that foresight uh, into another dimension, another time, uh, another place. So it's uh, it's very trippy, but it's very uh, interesting to to kind of take that quote from Yoda in in a in a new context. Yes, yeah, that's a very good observation. I didn't really think about that. I always took that. At surface level, like you're, like we see Luke have visions of uh, Han and Leia being in trouble, but yes, you absolutely can take that same quote and apply it to these new concepts that they're introducing into these into these stories, 
and uh, it can kind of it can kind of make it all mesh together, which is a it's a fascinating way of thinking about it. I like that. Yeah, that's very uh, interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, and again, the Force Awakens had a little bit of these Force visions when Ray touched the lightsaber. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of that movie. With uh, that lightsaber had such a strong connection to the Skywalker lineage that she saw pretty much uh, most of the original trilogy through the eyes of that lightsaber, which I thought was really cool. The dark side, the light side, lightsabers, and the Force. These are things very inherent to Star Wars and Jedi and Sith. So we've got a new segment on the podcast called Star Wars Tech, and I'm very proud and excited to introduce our contributor and friend Raul Mares from Mexico. Let's listen to his contribution on the importance of lightsabers to Jedis here on the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Hello there, my name is Raul Mares. I'm from Mexico. I'm a diehard fan of uh, classic Star Wars, and I'm very grateful with Scarif Skullbutt's podcast. Thank you very much for having me and allowing me to uh, present to you a little bit of information concerning lightsabers and their importance and meaning to the Jedi Order. A lightsaber was a distinctive weapon used both for combat and for ceremonies, and its image was bound to that of the Jedi and their polar opposites, the Sith. <laughs> The lightsaber also became the image of the Jedi Order's values to preserve the peace and justice throughout the galaxy. A lightsaber consisted of a blade of pure plasma, and this uh, blade of pure plasma was emitted from a hilt and suspended in a force containment field. This force containment field allowed the blade to keep its shape. The hilt was almost always self-fabricated by the wielder to match his or her specific needs, preferences, and style. The hilt was also built similarly to his or her master's lightsaber as a mark of respect. Due to the weightlessness of plasma and the strong gyroscopic effect generated by it, lightsabers required a great deal of strength and dexterity to wield, and it was extremely difficult, sometimes even very dangerous, for an untrained hand to attempt using. However, in the hands of, a, of an expert or uh, of the Force, whether it is uh, classically, uh, classically speaking, uh, Jedi or Sith, the lightsaber was a weapon to be greatly respected and feared. To wield the lightsaber was to demonstrate incredible skill and confidence, as well as masterful dexterity and attunement to the Force. A lightsaber is the defining weapon of a Jedi. Much like the katana is for a samurai warrior, it, along with their use of the force, was an essential tool for maintaining peace and justice throughout the galaxy. So important is the lightsaber to a Jedi's mission that a Jedi cannot be without one. So the ability to create a lightsaber is a critical skill that all Jedi were trained in. To Jedi Knights, the construction of a lightsaber is an important step upon the road to becoming a warrior. We're not only a symbol for the entire order, but also of the individuals themselves. Every lightsaber was unique to its owner, as the crystals used in the construction uh, were attuned by the force to the person on them alone. A lightsaber also symbolizes that the Jedi has mastered the force enough that they can be considered a knight, and were able to then be assigned uh, their own padawans. The lightsaber itself is put together using the force. Every single tiny component fused to each other in the right way on the molecular level. It takes a huge amount of focus uh, on the force to craft. 
All right, so uh, we're going to do something that we haven't done in a while. It's a fun little game here at the end of our podcast. It's called Sentry Mode. This is Sentry Mode. All right, Alex, Sentry Mode. Uh, are you familiar with the game? You want me to explain it to you real fast? Yeah, please explain the rules to me before I dive into this. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, it's a fun little game. I ask, uh, Brad and I ask each other five questions, five Star Wars related questions. Uh, and uh, you got to answer them in five seconds or less. Yikes. Uh, you got to answer each of them in five seconds or less. They're easy. They're um, And we, we haven't done it in a while, but uh, we did it on the first podcast and the second. Uh, and uh, the only uh, prize you get are, are bragging rights um, to all your friends and listeners uh, that you are the uh, victorious winner of the uh, Scarif Podcast Sentry Mode Quiz. And uh, okay. so, yeah, this this will be fun. So uh, let's start out with Sentry Mode. This is Sentry Mode. Question number one. Ready? Yep. Go for it. All right. You remember, you got five seconds. What were the ramifications of the Galactic Senate's short-sighted acceptance of facilitating trade route taxations, and how did those decisions affect the ego, the geopolitical structure of the mining guild's ability to self-finance the war machine of the Republic? Ready, go. It was the blockade <laughs> of Naboo. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That that was... Uh, oh, that was a joke? That was oh, a I joke. totally thought you were serious. No, 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 no. <laughs> was that the right answer? Did I get it right? Uh, I guess. <laughs> I guess I thought it was. Uh, yeah, I, I was like, okay, that sounds like the that sounds like the backstory to why the blockade <laughs> came to Naboo because of trade disputes, yeah. right? That's episode one. Very good, very good. Quick thinking on your part. All right, so this this, this is the real question number one. Okay. Mexican actor Diego Luna portrayed a rebel agent in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Name the uh, the character. Cassian Andor. Excellent. Number two, in The Empire Strikes Back, when Luke found Yoda, Yoda was living on what planet? Dagobah. Excellent. Number three, Star Wars creator George Lucas grew up in Northern California. Besides Star Wars, what other famous franchise is he responsible for? Uh, Indiana Jones. (laughs) Excellent. Number four, in honor of last week's podcast and our mega crossover episode with Psy Fictionary, The Legacy of Leia Organa, what is your favorite line that is said by Leia in any of the films? Can somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? <laughs> Excellent. Marisha will appreciate that. Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? Number five, (laughs) in episode eight, The Last Jedi, what did Luke suck on while trying to avoid training Rey on Octo? A sea cow tit. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the name of that animal was. You know what? And I don't want to know. This is Sentry Mode. That was fun. So you got uh, five points. You are clearly an expert in all things Star Wars. Uh, can I add one? Can I add one more Leia quote? Yeah, for sure. It's my. It's one of my favorites. It's, it's top contender for the walking carpet. One is I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. <laughs> yes, perfect. <laughs> I love Excellent. Leia. 
Leia, yeah, did you, were uh, were you able to catch our uh, mega episodes uh, first on on Scarif podcast and second on the uh, Coruscant Radio Underground? I did. I loved them both. They were both excellent episodes. I was actually bummed out because I was listening to the first part and I was really amped to hear the whole thing. And then when I realized that it was only part one and it was only about a forty minutes long, I was like. I gotta wait for oh, the next nice. part. <laughs> That's cool. Because I'm a uh, my my normal podcast lengths run Joe Rogan t- style like three hours or so. So yeah. anything under three hours is a short podcast to me. That's funny. No, yeah, we had a lot, we had a great time with uh, with with them, Andrew and Marisha. Shout out to you guys. And uh, yeah, hope hopefully we'll do it again um, and uh, pick another subject. But, uh, you know, earlier today, I think it was, uh, I ran a poll on the Twitter account and I asked fans of Star Wars who your favorite droid was and uh, I gave them four choices and we got some really great um, answers. A shoe-in runaway winner um, between the following four droid uh, choices we had C-3PO. R2-D2, R5-D4, and IG-88. And I kind of just asked uh, about original trilogy droids, uh, so Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi. Um, obviously, people had uh, other suggestions from uh, some of the other you know, stories and trilogies for Star Wars, but uh, from those three, can you guess who the uh, runaway winner was? Uh, between those four, 3PO, R2, R5, and IG-88, I am going to go with R2-D2. You are correct. There is an overwhelming love for that little astromech. So we got uh, one of our followers, Inya underscore gaming. Uh, no real surprise, this reckless little droid is out front. Um, <laughs> another follower, Alan... And I hope I'm saying the last name right. Alan Crookshank, R2 and 3PO are a double act, and he you couldn't choose between the two. Uh, mm. Stuart Henderson, Stewie55UK, IG88. Oh, this is sweet. IG88 uh, was one of the first action figures that was purchased by his dad and given to given to him, and he he will always remember IG88 with a smile. So that's that's kind of a sweet thing to to remember. He's gonna be he's gonna be super excited to uh, to see IG88 in action in the in the Mandalorian. Michael Kerrigan loves torture droids. Um, no, that's cool. So he uh, mentioned the torture droids, and I think that's in. Um, What's that comic book? Uh, Dr. Afra. Uh, I think there's yes. some torture droids in there. Um, but actually, he might be uh, referring to the torture droids in, Re- in Jabba's Palace during Return of the Jedi. Yep, which I believe was IG-88 present. I don't No, I don't think he was. There was another one. There was another skinny droid that was there. It looked similar to him, but it wasn't the same one. Oh, yeah. I think his name was EVD8 or EV99, something like that. I remember because I had that droid in one of the toy sets, the uh, Droid Building Factory. Mm-hmm. He, came in, he came as part of the collection. Uh, so we got Robot554 who says uh, he picked R2 because R2 has saved the day countless times. And, of course, uh, R2 has saved the day countless times. And it, if it weren't for uh, R2, uh, our uh, gang would be dead ten times over, don't you think? 
Oh, absolutely. He's saved the day multiple times just in one movie alone. <laughs> there was a lot of people that loved that we gave R5-D4 some representation. Uh, folks uh, thought that R5-D4 was uh, an unsung hero. And uh, did you hear the theory that R5-D4 blew his motivator on purpose because he uh, had a talk with R2 before uh, the Jawas brought him out? I have not heard that theory, but that uh, would be a pretty cool little element to uh, include for R2's story arc. Yeah. Where he was explaining his mission, and he's like, look, man, you got to let me get picked, so do something quick. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I thought I heard that. I thought that was really cool. It was very uh, clever. Since we're on the topics of droids, do you mind if I pose a question to our listeners? Oh, yeah. No, no, not at all. Go ahead. <clears throat> okay, so if you guys can set, if I can set the stage for you guys, if you remember in Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, C-3PO finds himself in the droid, the battle droid manufacturing plant. He gets his head knocked off and transplanted with a battle droid. In Episode 5, when he is destroyed by the Ugnaughts on Bespin, we know that his central computing system is on the back of his on his back where where uh, Chewbacca was working on it. So, can somebody out there who is a fan of the prequels please explain to me how C3PO's programming stayed in his head so that it would mix with a battle droid and also the battle droid's head which is as far as we know just a piece of metal gets stuck on C3PO's body but takes control over it. Is there an inconsistency there or am I missing something? That's interesting. Yeah, I never noticed that. If you guys know the answer to that question that Alex just posed, um let us know. I don't know. Let us uh let us know what you guys think about that. Don't get technical with me. Uh, oh, you know, we we gave away a couple things in between our episodes. Um, and, uh, Ollie, I hope you got your, uh, your Scarif Scuttlebutt stickers. Um, we sent out a couple of stickers, uh, to you, Ollie. We sent, um, a, uh, Women of the Galaxy postcard that featured, uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, um, her character. And, uh, it's a lovely collection, actually, of all the ladies of Star Wars. I hope you guys got your stuff. And, uh, we're going to do another giveaway uh, you know, I've had a um, Funko Pop Poe Dameron for the longest time, and uh, we ran a couple of uh, contests a while ago, but uh, let's, uh, let's see if we can give it away again. What question would you like to pose to our listeners to see if we can get the right answer to uh, select a random winner for the uh, Funko Pop Poe Dameron action figure? Let me ponder that for a second. Do you want to do an um, original trilogy, prequel, or sequel trilogy question? Let's, you know, let because it's Poe Dameron, let's, uh, let's go with, uh, you know, the sequel trilogy. Let's see if we can get some folks to participate, um, you know, it being Poe Dameron and all. Okay. Let's do something very related to Poe Dameron. He is the leader of a squadron. Hashtag Yo Poe for uh, a uh, Funko Pop and I'll uh, I'll shoot out a picture after this episode uh, airs, and um, we'll take a look at the Funko Pop action figure of Poe Dameron. Um, I'm sure everybody thinks he's dreamy. <laughs> I'm sure he's a handsome man. We could do uh, we could do one of his first lines. What was his first line to uh, to Kylo Ren? That was an iconic moment oh, for yeah. the Force Awakens. Sounds good. So, yeah, uh, as Alex says, what was Poe Dameron's first line to Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens? Hashtag yo, Poe. 
Y-O-P-O-E, and uh, we'll pick uh, a random uh, answer to that. Uh, obviously, it's got to be the correct answer, but uh, for you know, go ahead and uh, hashtag that and see uh, how you do, and uh, we'll send you this uh, Funko Pop action figures. Do you like the Funko Pop figure line? Um, they're, I don't have a feeling either way. They're pretty cool. Uh, if I got my hands on one, I would not complain. I really liked the one you guys had a while ago. It was the, um, the snow monster, the Wampa from Hoth. That was a really cool one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Brad picked that up. Um, but, uh, you know, Funko Pops are, are those types of action figures that, uh, it's, I'm, I'm very indifferent about them. It's like, sometimes it's like, it's, I love to hate them. Like, I won't go out of my way to get them, but like you said, if I had one, they're pretty interesting. Um, they're not, you know, they're not quite bobbleheads, but uh, they're still kind of interesting in their own way. But uh, yeah, a lucky listener will get a Poe Dameron Funko Pop action figure. And uh, just as a little thank you to our listeners... And I do want to say thank you to all our listeners. You know, we started this podcast, Brad and I, back in April of this year. Uh, We uh, didn't know what we were going to expect, but uh, we've gotten a lot of love and support from a lot of our regular fans and uh, listeners. I don't know if we have fans, but I guess, you know, we've, we've got some friends out there that listen to the podcast and have given us some great support. Uh, like Shannon Smith, who actually she just changed her Twitter name to Scuttlebutt SS, which I find uh, fascinating and cool. Thank you very much. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm trying to coin a nickname for our followers. Scuttlebutters just doesn't work yet, but uh, until we find something else, you guys are Scuttlebutters. I vote for Deploy the Garrison, like in the movie in their your favorite disney era movie <laughs> <laughs> the scarif you know it's yeah. it all ties in if you could say deploy the garrison our your fans are the garrison yep. i think that fits perfectly but hey it's your deal you uh you pick the name buddy awesome awesome so yeah uh alex imperial entanglements uh thank you very much uh what'd you uh what'd you think of uh your first collaboration with scarif I'm digging it, man. I love the positive atmosphere. It's one of my favorite things about your podcast that I picked up on right away. Uh, even though you guys are open about your reservations with the franchise uh, in its current state, you still stay positive and you still love Star Wars, which I believe is the sign of any true fan, uh, regardless of whether you enjoy one movie or you don't enjoy the other. You still love the franchise as a whole, and you want to see it grow, and you want to see it thrive. And uh, I think that's a great message to send to people. And uh, I'm honored uh, to be able to help you do that. And hopefully, um, hopefully, we can spread some goodwill around the Star Wars fandom. Yeah, when God am I, the last of the Jedi, will you be? Thank you. 
Thank you very much for those kind words. And yes, Brad and I are longtime Star Wars fans uh, since very young. And uh, we love Star Wars. We love talking about Star Wars. And that, my friends, is the scuttlebutt. That's no moon. You may fire when ready. I got a bad feeling about this. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. You must unlearn what you have learned. A great disturbance in the force. I suggest a new strategy, Art. You underestimate the power of the dark side. 